What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Welcome to Slide Notes, the show that shows up when there's a, something goes wrong with the schedules for Jaffa takes occasionally. Today we're going to be talking about the second episode of Sliders, which is really not a second episode. Maybe they were right to put them together. We'll talk about that as we go. With me tonight, I've got returning, we've got Jack. Yo. And for the first time, we have Pat. Howdy. <laughs> um... So, I am to understand, Patch, that you have never seen anything else Sliders before. That is correct. <laughs> I have never even heard of it before, so... Wow. When, I a- when I asked you about this, you actually had to ask, like, what is a Sliders? Yes, I was not sure. I assumed it was not the little hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that comes up a lot. <laughs> that was our one question on the last episode. <laughs> um... Anyway, so, <clears throat> based on what you have seen on this episode, if I had to ask you what Sliders is now, what would you say? Well, I mean, you get the reality jumping thing pretty quick, but just looking at this episode, it's hard for me to say like what the series is as a whole. It kind of feels like it wants to be 60s Doctor Who with the old angry professor who's just constantly yelling at the people who are following him around. Uh. <laughs> it's got a little bit of that in there, too. Yeah. Except the professor's act, the professor's the sidekick and the long haired smart guy's the main character. <laughs> uh, see, I would He's, not have, like, I, in the back <clears throat> half of the episode I watched the quote-unquote long-haired smart guy. All he does is stand around with the machine. I never would have guessed he was supposed to be smart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that will just do a quick recap of the first one since it's been a long time since the listeners would have seen it, would have heard us talk about it too. Quinn, the long-haired guy, is a college student with a, who is a, super science prodigy and invents a little remote control that can open portals to other universes after successfully going to one himself and then meeting a doppel of himself who fucks up his life in his own world he ends up kidnap accidentally kidnapping his college professor his co-worker who has a crush on him and a motown singer who happened to be driving by on the street not just a motown <laughs> singer a washed up motown singer Oh, that explains oh, so much. Ni- <laughs> it's the 90s. If there's a Motown singer around, they're going to be washed up. <laughs> and boy, is he. <laughs> and then they went to an, a version of their world that was frozen in ice and managed to escape at the last second before the portal closed and went and went to a world that seemed to be theirs. And that's where we pick up for this. And that's where we pick up for this episode. 
spoiler yeah, alert, it's not there's... theirs. <laughs> no, no, it's not. We have a whole se- we have a whole series of multiple seasons. Obviously, this isn't theirs. We start with a little bit of fake out where they're all not sure if Quinn's gonna make it through the portal, but it's the second episode. Come on. <laughs> No, I mean, that would be a good fake-out, though. He's got the machine, right? So it's just his show for the rest yeah. of it, and they're trapped here. <laughs> but what if he didn't make it out, though? Do you ever think about that? <laughs> Although, there is a line in this section where they're worried about him not coming through, where Wade, the girl, asks, Hey, did you see him in the void? Which means, they can see in the <laughs> void. And it's uh, just tossed off casually. Many questions, many questions. That, that is some Lovecraft shit, and nobody cares. Well, you know what they say <laughs> about abysses. You know, uh, how they stare into you. And then it gets uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, then you start getting into the rest of Lovecraft, and we're not here to talk about that today. Yes, let's not talk about racism today. I mean, there'll be some of that later. I would just mm. like to say that uh, as a person who hadn't seen the first half of the episode and only came in as they were jumping through the portal off of the ice world, just based on the way she's dressed and the way she looked, I really thought that Wade was like a precocious young boy circa Terminator 2 sort of thing until they really <laughs> got to the park. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's valid. <laughs> eh. Rembrandt, the Motown singer, he's flipping the, he's flipping out because his car got stuck in the ice world, and he's like, "Oh, how am I going to tell this to insurance?" And you know, they're trying to make this look unreasonable, but that's a perfectly valid thing. He had a fancy Cadillac that got stuck there. That thing probably cost <laughs> will probably cost today's money like fifty thousand. Yeah. And you know, he's a washed-up singer. He's not going to be able to get that uh, back. Uh, uh. Well, I feel like. Just for insurance purposes, right? The move here is to report it stolen, not to say that it got dropped on another planet. <laughs> Technically, it was it stolen. Down, there you go. Quinn stole it. Yeah. <laughs> Technically stolen. That that would be perfectly valid. We get a little exposition about oh, the thing is broken. We can't set co- we can't set coordinates in it. Which yeah, that there you go. That's setting up the premise for the whole show. Is <laughs> oh, we're just going to randomly jump to other worlds now. And the professor absolutely flips the fuck out at a Lenin statue in the middle of the park. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, but that's supposed to be Lincoln, but it's Lenin now. I wonder it's what like, this episode is going to be about. <laughs> it's weird that he's just that angry about a statue of Lenin. Like, there are statues of Lenin in American cities. Is it that he's that mad about it being a statue of Lenin, or is it that he's he upset didn't know that it's it was, Lincoln, not Lincoln? <laughs> he didn't know that it was Lincoln. Quinn has to point out that okay. no, the statue is Lincoln in, in our world. He was just mad that there was a statue of Lenin at all. <laughs> uh, when was this like, show made? <laughs> early 90s. Um, like, 93. Oh, wow. Uh, never mind then. <laughs> so it's just after the fall of the Soviet Union, like two years after. Okay, yeah, I... Definitely thought it was earlier than that, given the content of this episode. <laughs> well, the 80s no, kind of is... bled into the 90s, early 90s, to be fair. Yeah, but it's... Oh, no. My notes just scrolled away the frick down. Uh-oh. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so they immediately realize, oh crap, we're not in, we're not in our world because the statue is wrong. <laughs> no, they're in and Kami world. I'm kind of jealous of their ability of- to recognize that it's not their world from statues. Like, if you changed every statue in the city, I would not notice. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then Qu- Quinn has a thing in the phone booth that really confuses me about do the writers know what communism is oh, it's wade in the phone booth <laughs> yeah sorry wade in the phone booth because the immediate thing is the phone booth talks about phone companies trying to get you back and it's like oh okay that's not a thing in communism yeah, there's one that phone company can't be a thing in communism yeah, the whole point is state owns everything <laughs> But hey, there's but two phone it, companies. <laughs> I mean, they're they're uh, two competing state-owned phone companies. Imagine, <laughs> imagine, imagine not having yeah, one yeah, that's, monolithic that's, that's corporation. That's basically Canada. Oh yeah, isn't Cox exactly communications two. <laughs> basically own everyone? Yeah, yeah. Now all the telecommunications in Canada are owned by Bell or Rogers. Yep, <laughs> and it's awful. Uh, hey, come to America, they- <laughs> where they they claim they have competition, but they have exclusivity agreements for certain regions. <laughs> uh, Anyways, the phone company that she has on that pay 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 phone is very mad at her for not understanding them and is sending the cops after her. As you do, yes, her, they're Which- special telephone company agents specifically. I do want to ask, like, one of the things the person on the phone keeps asking is for her to state the phone license, but she's on a payphone. Are citizens supposed to have individual phone licenses to use payphones? Oh, you get a license for that. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Or, you know, I guess that's kind of a, that's how that works is you pick up the phone, you give your license, it registers, okay, you are a citizen, you're a citizen, you can, you can use the phone and connect to whatever. But what is the we want you back thing about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's just a joke this, on Bells. Yeah, it just, it makes no sense in the context of the episode. <laughs> it's, it's especially funny since payphones don't exist anymore, most of the places. Yeah, no, they're basically gone now in the world of cell phones, but they would have been what you would have needed in the early 90s, so communism or not. You just had phones in and out. <laughs> uh, Rembrandt has a cab with the most aggressively Russian man in the sh- in the series, in the episode. Oh my god, he's so Russian. Yeah, they they say later on that this place became Russian about 50 years ago, but like... Come on. Only this guy and the <laughs> one guy at the end are Russian. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, this guy, he goes off of... They have a back and forth about the baseball game and not understanding it. And he turns on the game so Rember could see how far behind he is. And the anthem starts playing. He's like, what? That's supposed to be me. And it plays the Soviet anthem. He's like, oh, that's not right. Must be a Canadian team. <laughs> Which, okay, that's that's actually a pretty funny joke. Yeah. Yeah, all one Canadian baseball team left in the MLB. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you see, it's like the only not-American team. So if it's not American, it must be Canadian by default, even though that's 
obviously not O Canada. <laughs> yeah. I think well, most Americans he's from know, California, so line. he would he wouldn't know. Uh there we get a where okay, this scene has actually gotta make no sense to Pat to patch at all because this is just a callback to the first episode. <laughs> Uh, sorry, which scene is Where, this? Uh, after the cab ride, we cut to Quinn and Arturo listening to a U.S. senator. Ah, yes. Rant, having a speech <laughs> in the park. In the first episode, that man is a homeless guy who is also ranting about communism. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's ranting for communism. I mean, I just well, no, no, he was like... he was he was a communist in the first episode too. He just was a crazy homeless guy uh, communist. Yeah, now he's a U.S. senator communist. Okay. Why would you? Took it why would you even call them yeah, senators? Why would they not just call them like I don't know, secretariat or something? Because that would in, that would involve looking up what po- political titles in the Soviet Union were. <laughs> True. They'd have to actually know something about communism. Although at a certain point, their lack of knowledge of communism wraps back around, and this guy could totally pass as a Twitter tanky. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can absolutely see him having, like, a Stalin profile picture with glowing eyes. So the... They meet up and discuss, hey, we're definitely not in, in the right world. And it's like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> well, I'm not sure why we needed to actually get go into all that. And going back to the Artur, going back to that yeah, Rembrandt on the bridge stops at a toll booth. Which again, why does this exist? <laughs> it ex- is. Is it actually not a toll booth? Is it supposed to be like a checkpoint? <laughs> I'm no. It has exact change here only sure does. on it. <laughs> Kevin, why does why does this exist? Because the plot what? needed it to happen. Yeah, it could have just been he didn't have ID. That would have worked a lot better. Yeah, um, I have to assume it's because the internet didn't exist yet, and so they couldn't look up how communism works. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they only watched fifties propaganda films about communism. Mm-hmm. Like, even in the 90s, I don't think, like, it's not as though we suddenly reversed course and started telling how things actually worked, you know? It was just the same stories passed down, so. Yeah, but it's, like, Command and Conquer had a better grasp of communism. Oh. <laughs> that just has, that just has Tim Curry yelling things at you. <laughs> uh, who wouldn't want Tim Curry yelling things at them? Anyways, he at the toll booth he gives the caveat of a bill from his world and everyone flips and everyone flips out. He's like, Oh, oh, this is this is illegal, this is bad. And there are so many soldiers with guns at the toll booth. Yeah, why are there the so hell? many soldiers? They had nothing better to do today. I suppose so. I do think it's we, we need like a dozen people to stand ready in case somebody gives an underground bill to <laughs> at, a, at this toll booth. Of course, like yeah, this would have made more sense as a checkpoint. 
extremely so. <laughs> I do think it's very funny that when all these guys come out with their guns and they're just leveling at him in the back of the car, he just slides down in the bottom of the seat so they can't see him. It's, come on, man. <laughs> that was funny as hell, though. <laughs> Uh, yeah. He just he just whines quietly as he slides down in the seat. So now that we've firmly established that this is not their world, everything about the city just immediately goes to shit. We don't need because now that there's no doubt, it could just look like it could just look like the absolute worst hellhole we we needed to be for the episode. <laughs> because we cut to the other three just walking through. Through some burnt, burnt out, bombed section of city where there are obvious secret police in trench coats, open, open soldiers carrying guns and executing people on what? Just executing people in the street and what the hell is even supposed to be happening here? Communism, obviously. <laughs> Last I checked, the Soviets didn't <laughs> execute people in the street. They did it in the back alley. <laughs> Yeah, you, see, you don't want people to see that. Yeah, it's like, like, let's be real. I don't think it would have even been possible for the Soviets to take over because everyone had guns in the 50s. Everyone. I mean, look at all the people with guns now and... I, I, I don't know. I don't think necessarily having lots of people having guns is a, is a particularly useful. Huh. <laughs> Fair enough. Most um, people will shoot their own foot off. Yeah. You know what? Get- this was... Okay, yeah. So the this came out in 1995... And just oh, that's later than I thought. Yeah, just two years earlier, the Super Mario Brothers movie came out, and I'm just saying, this is exactly the downtown in Super Mario Brothers where they're grabbing oh musicians God, off the streets. It is. <laughs> this is yeah, yeah. This is this episode would be much would be much improved by 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 random fungus and <laughs> and little dinosaur people. God, I mean, imagine. what wouldn't? Imagine if a Yoshi just walked by in one of the episodes coming up. Ha! I mean, it's... uh, Episode 5, I think, is the Jurassic Park episode. (laughs) (laughs) Burying the lead there a little, I think. I mean, it has a T-Rex, and actually it's just a bottle episode where they spend most of the episode hiding in a cave from the T-Rex. And then run away from the bad CGI T Rex in the last five minutes of the episode. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> but you know, it was very clearly a Jurassic meant to be a Jurassic Park episode because they talk the park warden they meet tells them about how this is a dinos a preserve for where we put our cloned dinosaurs. <laughs> oh my god. They're not even trying to hide it. Absolutely not. Incredible stuff. Hey, we get we get Rembrandt being interrogated in what is this supposed to be? <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a scary warehouse. Everyone is being everyone is being interrogated like twelve feet away from everyone else with 
no division at all. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, they had this Hall of Mirrors. They had to do something with it. <laughs> uh, but it's not even the Hall of Mirrors. Those are all, those are different people being interrogated. <laughs> <laughs> like most of those people are old white men well, so it's not reflections of Rembrandt <laughs> man it just we're just we're just all going to interrogate in this one big empty warehouse and not you know individual interrogation rooms <laughs> maybe uh, if they can see each other they'll be more likely to give us stuff because they'll know what's about to happen to them mm-hmm. Or maybe they were trying to save money in the production, so they just used a big open warehouse space. <laughs> but if you did an individual interrogation room, you wouldn't need to pay for like a dozen extras. True. It is really bizarre the way it's done. Now, this episode has a lot of things that are obviously done for budget reasons, and then they do the same thing elsewhere in the episode. Do it the opposite way elsewhere in the episode, and it's like, oh, okay, well, why did you do it? Why didn't you just pick one? <laughs> well, that would just make too much sense. Rem- Rembrandt recognizes the guy in terror, spills his, tries to tell a story, and no- the guy doesn't believe him because it sounds, it sounds insane. Like absolute nonsense. <laughs> but he recognizes the guy who is interrogating him. As a lawyer who was on TV in the first episode. He's one of those ambulance chaser lawyers who always seem to be at the side of every accident. Yeah, it's what what if what if Saul Goodman didn't have his own show, so he just looked crazy. <laughs> that would work a lot better if I had seen Better Call Saul. And the point is like the guy's freaking out because it's like oh, he knows he knows my name. I am a member of the secret police. He shouldn't know who I am. But also, everything else he's saying is wrong. What the hell is going on? Yeah, this was a thing that caused me quite a lot of confusion because they said that he knows our guy's civilian name and identity and profession, except I they're also guess- saying it's all wrong. So. <laughs> Oh, he's saying. Well, he's saying that he's not on TV. I guess he is a lawyer in his day to day. He is a defense attorney and a secret police. <laughs> Makes sense Which, to me. That's a conflict of interest. That's all. Not right. that this. <laughs> not that they probably care in this cartoonishly corrupt communist city. Oh my god, it's so cartoonish. It's like the most 1950s ass depiction of communism. <laughs> this is like. Senator Joseph McCartney would be wetting himself in joy over this depiction. <laughs> For Frank, like, I, I mean, I don't think he'd be incredibly unimpressed with the res- with, with resistance when we get to them. But oh, yeah, for sure, we'll talk about. That. <laughs> yeah. But like this, the this uniformed officer who we only see in shadows which i'm not sure what that what that's about uh so they don't have to pay another actor for his facetime (laughs) Uh, you still gotta pay a guy to stand and talk in shadows and you can still (laughs) mostly see his face anyway at first i thought maybe was this supposed to be arturo but that's clearly a different guy Mm -hmm. 
Like that would have made sense to have like the Art- Arturo double in the shadows. Um, well, I guess since we haven't seen the rest of the show, I don't know. But would that be someone else's double? It's not anyone from the first step. It's not anyone we've seen before. It's not a, like a, this is not a character now. Hmm. We had no idea then. <laughs> Either way, sinister officer is like all. Oh yes, no, this idiot is actually a a a cunning rebel who is trying to who is trying to trick you by playing the fool, and it's like he's trying to trick you by saying the dumbest shit possible. <laughs> Which how how do you get to that? My guy. Well, clearly he's, he he's clearly he's only pretending to be an idiot. Oh yeah. Also, I we we glazed over it, but they established that Rem, Rembrandt's doubled apparently died in Detroit a few years ago, and there was a Detroit uprising. That doesn't matter at all, but <laughs> it's still a weird detail because I end up thinking of the Detroit. You just. Describe something of the like a Detroit uprising, and I end up thinking about that one episode, that much better episode of DS Nine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Even though I th- don't think that was Detroit. Now I think about it, that was a that was a West Coast city because Star Trek, everything's on the West Coast. Yeah, the West Coast so might do. as well be the only thing that exists in Star Trek. Um, isn't uh, Cisco's dad's restaurant in? Uh, yeah, it's in New Orleans. There it is. <laughs> Of course, I don't think we ever see it, because that would mean they would have to move production to another city. Oh, no, you you see it. It's very obviously filmed in L.A., but you, <laughs> you do see it at some point, just like you see Picard's Vineyard. That's also very obviously in L.A. Or then, like, the Napa Valley. Yeah. We get more of... We get more of ridiculous parody, parody communism on the streets, where some secret police just grab an old lady off the street and shove her in the back of the car for no reason. <laughs> and some soldiers just execute people on a wall for no reason. Yeah. Well, you gotta do it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, but usually you do it in the back alley with a pistol. Or, you know, you do it at a shooting range because that's where you're supposed to do sh- that's where you're supposed to execute people by firing squad. <laughs> Anyways, they get to like Arturo doing uh an frankly a bit of an obnoxious fat guy joke. He's like, "All oh, I am, I am stressed, so I am eating. My my stomach knows no political allegiance." Uh, but my boy needs a kielbasa. Okay. So he goes to buy a sausage, gives them an American, gives them a dollar from their world, and the guy's like, "Oh, oh, here," and gives them switches their dollar for a for a dollar that's basically identical but red. Yeah, it has a different well, guy on the front. Yeah, that's uh, that's Khrushchev. Is it? Or is it, would it be Gorbachev? Would Gorbachev even be president in in this timeline? Not I don't know. No, maybe don't it's, maybe so. it's Yeltsin. I, it's <clears throat> it's the not very good picture on a low 
on in standard definition. Yeah. <laughs> the the fact that We're it has assume that it is some Russian politician. The funniest thing is that it has all the same details on it, but in red. That's the absolute funniest yeah, the, part. The not the not person side is the exact same except red. Yeah. Which okay. Anyways, and hey, they make didn't a they make uh, a deal out of seeing this red out of this red money? It's, didn't they? Like, uh, didn't they mention rubles in the uh, in the, fu- oh, yeah, the they phone booth? They sure did. <laughs> they sure did. Are you telling me this, this guy show asked, has continuity errors? I mean, this guy also asked for a dollar, but also he is part of the resistance, and he sees a person who looks like his commanding officer, so... (laughs) Yeah, but he also sees a person who looks like the the evil commanding officer. (laughs) Yeah, so he is... This guy is very confused. Yeah, yeah, in this dimension, uh, Arturo is is basically... Sorry. Arturo is basically Wallace Breen. Yeah, kinda. That this guy is like, he's a part of the resistance and is standing 12 feet away from people being executed <laughs> and is just selling sausages. And they don't seem to see him when he runs away with them all. No. But anyways, they start talking about, hey, this money is weird. What the hell? And this is when Wade is like, oh, hey. The phone police are after me. <laughs> phone police. I, ha- I haven't brought this up while we've been walking by all of these obvious secret police and soldiers. But now I'm going to bring it up and the guy's like, oh, well, just follow me. And he runs them around the corner and the police don't seem to notice. <laughs> like... <clears throat> The cops in this episode have worse vision, have worse peripheral vision than a Metal Gear Solid guard. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> Must have been the wind. Maybe that's why they put all those people in the same room. They just have terrible peripherals in this universe, so they can't see each other. They all have tunnel vision. They can only see what's directly in front of them. So he he takes them down some tu- down some tunnels to where there is. Where the resistance is located. Are you telling me he takes them down some secret, 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 secret tunnels? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so this is where I actually want to tell a sh- cut our coverage short and actually tell a story about my memories of this episode. Oh boy, okay. here we go. Because <laughs> this was the first episode I ever saw of the show as a kid. I did not see the first episode. <laughs> I saw this. I saw this one isolated on its own, and that's why I remember it standing on its own a lot better. It it does not. <laughs> but also, what I remember about this episode, my memories from a kid. This was not a communist world. My memories of watching this as a kid. This was a Nazi world. Oh well. <laughs> I remember. I remember. I remember swastikas. I re- remember a. I remember a joke about call about people asking if Wade was Jewish. Huh. Wow. I remember a moment in, while they're talking to the resistance leader where Arturo brings up Hitler and he goes, who was Hitler? Because 
this world never had a Hitler, so they never learned their lesson. Which Then why is everything Nazi and not American-themed fascism? That's a different conversation. <laughs> but those are all what I remember. And no, that is not what this episode is at all. Wow. How did you... you you've, uh, you confabulated that entire episode in your head. I am having Mandela Effect memories about a show about alternate universes. <laughs> Maybe the ideas came from an alternate universe. So I don't know what, ha- what happened that made me remember this a completely different episode as a kid. But this is... <clears throat> this is... It's it's just wild how different everything I remember is. <laughs> Anyways, we go through into the tunnels and so contrary to everything you might think about anyone who is mad about communism now, this is a surprisingly d- diverse group of people <laughs> in the American resistance. <laughs> like the two the two highest ranked people we we see are an Asian woman and a black guy. The black guy has like the smoothest voice of all time. Oh, oh goodness, he has a yes. he has a very nice voice. <laughs> but uh, and also not only that, the black man is 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 lovers with a white woman. Yeah, I love the I love the joke coming Every, up in a little bit. Everyone who everyone who is mad mad of any. Every anti-communist, right-wing capitalist person out there, right, <laughs> in the real world, would lose their freaking minds at this resistance. <laughs> and it's c- so we do it. They they go down. They talk to the leader, and he immediately starts kissing kissing Wade. And <laughs> he's really laying it on her too. Yeah, Quinn's freaking out despite the fact that he spent the entire first episode being super oblivious to noticing that Wade had a crush on him. Oh, did wow. he? Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, to the point where the other Quinn, the Quinn from the other universe that that came and messed up his life, he went to he went to Quinn's work and kissed kissed Wade, and when Quinn asks about what happens, he gets confused and thinks that the alternate him kissed his boss. <laughs> that is how oblivious he is to, to, to Wade's crush on him. And, <laughs> yeah, the moment a black guy kisses her, everything goes 180, and I'm like, oh, oh, oh that's, that's uncomfortable. Because he's, they're like, suck, he's like sucking face. <laughs> he is. This is a very intense kiss. This is a very intense kiss for which admittedly with his context we'll get in a second. It makes sense that he's like that, but she is also very surprisingly into it for I have no idea who this guy is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess No, I'll talk about that later. Never mind, sorry. Okay, it goes to a com- commercial fade out, and we cut to Quinn and Arturo are tied up in onto to some pipes. Everybody like they're probably like, well, that they, they didn't believe us, and we're just kind of stuck here. <laughs> they're they're kind of bummed about not being able to go home. 
Quinn misses his mom, who's already lost his dad, and now she's lost him. And the Asian lady comes and sets sets them free, and is, and like the leader believes them now about the alternate universe thing, and he's like, "Oh, okay, yeah." <laughs> this part here is where I remember the the Hitler conversation. Uh, and, no, it's just not here. No. <laughs> My episode is so much better. Why is it a bad episode? <laughs> it sounds better, yeah. <clears throat> so they have a whole back and forth thing where they reveal that Wade is actually the leader of this resistance cell. Nice, nice, nice. You love to see it. Nice. Yeah. You you love to see a girl boss waiting. <laughs> <laughs> and she is girl boss and like and- no one's ever seen. We also see that Artur find out that Arturo is the is this is where we find out that Arturo's double is the commander of the pri- is the warden of the prison that's based at the college he teaches at. Yeah, taught at. Which who takes a college and turns it into a prison is the thing. Like that would be a terrible prison. Yeah, if you want to reform out a building into a prison, a high school is going to work way better. <laughs> also. You're in San Francisco. Just reuse Alcatraz. <laughs> There's a prison right there. Shit, just a very famous one. And when, and according to this episode, when they took over, it would have been still intact and usable. <laughs> yeah. So, although the way they describe how they got taken over, it's not actually clear if there was actually. If there was actually, if it was an invasion or they just kind of gave up and surrendered. (laughs) Yeah, they kind of make it sound like an inevitability after they lost the first, the first, uh, the Korean War and like no more details than that. (laughs) Which that's, that's just completely insane. I know, like they, the U.S., like MacArthur, uh, what was it? MacArthur, he wanted to nuclear bomb the entire border with china to keep them out <laughs> like, like if if the soviets invaded for real there would have been bombs dropping on every single major soviet and chinese city this macarthur was a maniac well maybe macarthur was less of a maniac in this universe and that's why that's why communism won <laughs> <laughs> That would absolutely fit with how the writers are trying to show this. Oh, <laughs> <clears throat> uh, but yeah, they they meet Wells and the the second in command. Honestly, I like I like Wells' shirt. I like the shirt. Yeah, I love I love her. <laughs> That's a good shirt. It'd be worn by the worst person you know in the real world, <laughs> but it's a good design. <laughs> I love that when when the the guy who is her lover in this universe, he's like, I can tell the difference, and they're like, Yeah, how? And Wells just has the biggest shit eating grin in the world. <laughs> yeah. So I actually, I, I got curious on a thing, and I kind of googled some Sliders fan sites, 
Yeah, it turns out that whether or not they had sex, well... While Quinn and Arturo were locked up, is a hotly debated thing in Slider's fan, in Slider's fandom. I'm not the slightest bit surprised. <laughs> the fact that people care this much about honestly a very minor detail in the pilot. Yes, but it implies <laughs> sexy is- times. <laughs> and fans are always going to be all over that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm still on the main show. I've talked about it, how I do not get why everyone is so into Carter and O'Neill, because it's like, that is the, A, a very unsexy ship, B, just highly inappropriate. (laughs) He's like 10 to 20 years older than her and her commanding officer and... Yeah, it's just it's just weird. Plus, it's pretty obvious she's but, not really romantically interested in anyone on the in the main cast. Well, it's, she's a professional. Yeah, they keep having momentary hints about her being into O'Neill, but like being too professional for it. But it just keeps coming back, and it's like, why? <laughs> why do you do this? Please stop. Like, why you gotta be horny like this? Yeah, so we. We get their explanation about how this world became communist because, yeah, we lost the th- America lost the Korean War, and you know, you didn't win it in our world either. So, <laughs> permanent stalemate. <laughs> and you also lost like the next big war over there. So, technically, the Korean War is still going. Yes, technically the Korean War is just at a ceasefire, <laughs> and the demilitarized zone is the is the most heavily is the most heavily defended stretch of land in the world. Yeah, and a little bit of a little bit terrifying when you think about One it. One step into that, and you'll immediately be filled with sixteen different bullets. Either that or blown up by mines. Yeah. <clears throat> But yeah, the 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 reasoning for it, the domino theory thing is just complete nonsense, but it's about par for the course for early nineties writing about communism. (laughs) Honestly, it's about it's really on par for most of the butterfly effects in this in this show. There's a there's a world in here where everyone is dying in the show where everyone is like the Black Plague is an ongoing concern because penicillin was never discovered. <laughs> You'd think there'd be a lot more concerns, you know, like people getting minor infections that kill them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and like it's a whole thing where Arturo deve- where Arturo just like gets some moldy toast and invents penicillin for this world. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. That's so stupid. <laughs> That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. I mean, oh, there are so many dumb episodes of this show. There's a there's a world where no where there has never been a male president, and Arturo Arturo decides he's going to stay in this world and and run for president. What? And then, like at the last second, he's like, "Oh, if the count looks like he's about he's going to lose, so he decides he no, he is actually going to leave with them. He goes through the portal, and then immediately his campaign manager runs into the office and is like, "Oh, wait, no, there is." 
you 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 just won by like a by like a one percent margin, uh, and he's already gone. I have a lot of questions. <laughs> this show sounds like it got really stupid really fast. How is he even eligible to run for president in a different reality? <laughs> like, isn't he for a foreign born? Because I mean, no, he's he's American. Why does he he's, sound like that then? Other than being John Reese Davies. Because he's John Reese Davies. <laughs> sure. At least he's not playing uh, an Arab person in this one. Yeah. On, on the other hand, he could be playing a dwarf in this one, and that would be. Imagine if the show had Gimli instead. Oh my god. <laughs> Look, we dwarfs are natural precedents. <laughs> uh, so eventually, we get to. After the exposition, we get to. We get to Wade wandering around where she meets her, the double of her old, her boss from her world, who is, a reminder, played by the guy who, shit, uh, what's his name? Jack, what's his Walter. name? Walter. Yes, Walter. His name Walter is Gary Waters. Yeah. <clears throat> He's a guy in Star guy who basically just pushes buttons and tells us things about the Stargate, <laughs> but in this world... In the other world, he's a he is her boss at Best Buy, and here he's a private in her militia, <laughs> and he's watching TV. And this is the most buckwild shit I have ever seen. <laughs> I want this communist rap video. I want the raw footage. So sorry, Gary Jones. <laughs> yeah, yes, Gary Jones is the actor, but I want the communist rap video that he's watching. I want to see the full thing. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I could survive the full thing. <laughs> it's just too much. Oh, it'll be unbear. It would be like incredibly cringy, but I want to see it. <laughs> I want to. Sh- I want to be able to shit post this. Wow, he's only in three episodes. Like he's not a significant person. He like he's their boss, and once they're traveling through dimensions, their boss is not an important factor in their lives. <laughs> I mean, makes sense. Wow, some of these. And we get a bit of PB of a PBS fundraiser. Which again, why does this exist? They shouldn't exist. <laughs> Public television should be funded in communism. That's how that works. Well, it is funded because uh, they know who you are. And if you don't pledge, they'll let you down. (laughs) Yes, but you already do. That's paying your taxes in communism. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. Communists don't pay taxes. That's not what that's about. (laughs) Your money has already gone there. And then we get... To where Rembrandt's gone, which what the fuck is this? <laughs> oh. They thought of a they thought of a joke on the they thought of a pun on people because on people's court because haha that's kind of like a that's kind of like what you might call a court in communism. <laughs> the fact Not that true. they got the actual Joseph Wapner to be in it is hysterical. <laughs> this is not his only time in this ep- in this series. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I'm so excited! All of a sudden, oh, that's so stupid. I love it. There is an in- there's an entire episode where there is a where there is a real where 
people's court is the only law court of law and it's also being rigged with deep with deep fake videos no way not even judge judy <laughs> nope <clears throat> uh. and I guess like, this show is incredibly stupid, but I love it so much. <laughs> Shit like this is why people watch. Because this is the most buck wild. I did not expect this. <laughs> I this is as good a point wild. as any to, to bring up what I was going to ask about earlier, but like. Yeah, go for in, it. In the first episode, did y'all touch on it all? The fact that uh, Rembrandt's last name is Brown? Because they just call him Mr. Brown over and over again here. And it's really uncomfortable to me that they're talking to one of basically the only black character who gets a bunch of lines on this show. And they're just calling him Mr. Brown over and over again. It's super yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. They did uh, name the black the the black guy of the main cast Rembrandt Brown. After which, James Brown, that's, probably. Yeah, that... That actually might that might have been what they're going for. It's still really bad. Yeah. Idea. <laughs> God, imagine if they had gotten James Brown for one of these episodes. Holy shit! <laughs> this show could not afford James Brown. Sure, he would have made charge him a million dollars or something ludicrous. Uh, but this, yeah, honestly, this the first while is very not good for Rembrandt. <laughs> He's... You take your... You have your one black IV, your comic relief. It's... Yikes. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, he definitely gets a lot of character development and gets treated more seriously later, and Arturo moves to being more of the comic relief as this stuffy professor on these adventures, but... At these early episodes, yeah, this is this is not great. I do think the joke of just having a washed-up Motown singer on, on on this kind of journey does lead to a lot of like potential potential fun jokes. Oh, absolutely. But the specific way they play him in a lot of this, it's it's not great. <laughs> I'll definitely admit that. Yeah, mostly I just this is the scene where it's the worst. I think in the in the court, but so much of it is yeah. just Mr. Brown, Mr. Brown, Mr. Brown over and over again. Like they're really yeah, hammering it home yeah, and it's hammering it on the Mr. Brown. And also it's a black guy getting absolutely abused in the court. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at yeah, the, uh, at the, uh, episodes list. You might've seen the episode where there were Nazis in California. Oh, well, for world war two never happened. Oh, okay. Then, Maybe I conflated two episodes together. That that actually makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm reading some of these episodes. Some reason they are buck wild. Uh, they do they do have one good joke though at the end of the people's court scene where they're sending him to the Alaskan Gulag. Which okay, that's 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 a good joke if you want to put anywhere as equivalent to the Ukraine in North America. <laughs> No, so you mean Siberia. Siberia, yeah. Either way, you put it in the shitty snowy place. Yeah, okay, that's that that's a that's an alright that's an alright gag. Do you think they also conquered Canada in this reality? <laughs> because if they did, I don't know why they wouldn't just pick the northernmost part of the territories. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, because the northernmost part of the territories is actually uh, is actually just ice. <laughs> yeah, well, what's at the top of Ellesmere? Yeah, there's there's nothing to make you do in the gulag up there. It's literally just ice. What is that? Uh, <laughs> what that Ellesmere Island? <clears throat> I do not know the small islands of the Ellesmere northwest territories and Inuit enough. It's in Ikalu. Uh, no, it's in uh, Nunavut. It'd be in Nunavut. Yeah, yeah. I. Honestly, it's probably for the best we don't get into the what what would happen with in this world with none of it because yeah. oh dear, <sighs> none of it as it's as it exists right now is kind of a problem <laughs> for how we treat it. But yeah, Are you telling me the it Canadians kind of- treated the natives badly? Paris, the thought. <laughs> well, we might as well have the smallest aggression about that right now. The Inuit didn't live that far north as we ha- as we forced them to relocate. You know, they live around Nobody Hudson lived that Bay. far north. There was nothing there. Didn't they live around Hudson Bay? Uh, not quite that. Not, not quite that far south, but a lot closer to it than, than, than the Callowit. <laughs> There's little... Enough, Baffin Island is basically uninhabitable. Pretty much, yeah. So, you know. All right, so they established that right now Rembrandt's getting sent to the to the college prison where where the other Wade's being held, and they're like, "Oh, well, we 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 should do a raid." And they're like, "Oh, are you crazy? If we could just raid the pr- raid the prison, we would have done that." We will talk about raiding that prison shortly. I mean, but, it's a valid point. <laughs> it's a valid point. But also, when we see the prison, you totally could have hit that. These, these guards are the dumbest motherfuckers I have ever seen. <laughs> and, but they're like, oh, yes, but we have the warden on our side. Immediate cut to them pushing Arturo down the hall in the in a soldier, in an officer's uniform. Uh-huh. And where did you guys get that? Presumably, they killed Why an officer. You... <laughs> I mean, pres- presumably, you just kept a lot you just kept a large men's unif officer uniform after you killed the guy uh, they just have a really good seamstress on staff in the revolution <laughs> and you happen to have a pro- appropriate number of of uh, little pips to put on his uniform naturally <laughs> uh, this is actually the outfit for the uh the class play that they did a few weeks ago <laughs> uh. Yes, they they made their own little propaganda play, and they just ha, ha, so they just perfectly replicated the warden's uniform, and it's like, oh well, we have it anyway. Uh, speaking of propaganda, the way they find out that Rembrandt is on the People's Court is what is its prime time television that yeah. her that Wade's boss equivalent in this world is watching. Yeah, with the with the really. With the really bad communist hip hop, which I just wanted. Please, please, if and the unlikely event that somebody who worked on sliders has that raw foot has that raw VHS tape, please, please tell me. You want to see the, in all of its awfulness? I do. 
You're a braver soul than I, and I salute you. <laughs> Indeed. I am strongly inclined to agree. <laughs> <laughs> they get very serious once everybody boards their trucks, being all like all, if this fails, the entire West Coast Rebellion will be crushed. No pressure, it's though. Like all. Yeah, is this the entire West Coast Rebellion? Is that why it'll be crushed if this fails? Presumably. Because I feel like... So your entire West Coast Rebellion is in one city? There are a lot of cities on the West Coast. They've got, what, like 12 people total? (laughs) (laughs) There's at least, I'd say there's at least two dozen, but yeah. Yeah, this is very small, and you're the entire West Coast? There's... (laughs) Nobody in LA? <laughs> there's no there's nobody in in Portland or Seattle or Vancouver or near the Alaskan Gulag? <laughs> uh. Yeah, they're they're not the best at planning, but then again, they did see some randos on the street and bring them directly to their headquarters, so one of those randos looks exactly like what, like, like a like a citizen general. <laughs> so they pull up with multiple with multiple trucks full of sol- of soldiers, and a chief carrying the carrying the professor to the to the prison, and he goes off trying to play all bossy and serious with the soldier at the front gate who it's like he's confused he's like oh no no the the warden shouldn't the warden shouldn't be here but whatever (laughs) he like does multiple small slip-ups and confusions and but does tell the guy he he's going to promote him which gets him gets him let through after the hand scan and then he immediately says some ain't right. This shit ain't flying. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he immediately, like, as soon as the, as soon as this guy's out, Arturo's out of sight, he goes and tells tells the other guard to, yeah, go, go, go call it, go call his house. <laughs> and it's like, all oh, he's at home and sleeping. <clears throat> I don't know if either of you two are into uh, theme parks at all, but there's a scene in the, uh, the Tower of Terror that was refurbished to be the Guardians of the Galaxy, where Rocket Raccoon is just screaming at the people below him that he needs you to go on this ride because your hands can scan and my hands don't scan. And uh, that's all I could think of when they pull out the hand scanner. <laughs> I, would, I would say I have, but I've never been to Disney. <laughs> yeah, I've never, I've never been to, Di- I've never been to Disney. I've never either, been to Disney, that California. Is a pretty good, but that, that is a pretty is good gag. It and... stays with you forever. <laughs> That that is a pretty good gag and actually like very in line with Rocket Raccoon. I <laughs> I've never been to a Disney park, but I've always thought that changing out the Tower of Terror for a Guardians of the Galaxy ride seems like a weird idea. It really is. Like like that's just a completely different dynamic. I, I get like Tower of Terror was underperforming in California, so they wanted to do something with it, but what? <laughs> Who came up with that? 
I don't know. Either way, that was just yeah. the hand scan. I thing. mean, also, they also replaced the legally distinct alien ride with a stitch thing and then scrapped the whole thing. So, you know. <laughs> oh, I hated that so much. <laughs> Ironically, they could just put it back as, an, as a regular alien ride now. Uh-huh. <laughs> Man. Ah, theme parks. Haven't been to one of those in about 15 years. I mean, pre-pandemic, we used to go to Canada's Wonderland, which is theme park outside of, outside of Toronto, which is basically lower rent Cedar. Cedar Point. Uh, somewhere between Six Fags and Cedar Hills. Cedar Point. Ironically, they both... Oh, it keeps getting sold between the different American theme park companies. Isn't it Cedar Hill? Like... Yeah, Cedar. It Cedar was a Cedar Point. Hill Sorry, Park. Cedar it was Point. a Six Flag. Sorry, Cedar Point. Uh, it was a it was a Six Flag affiliate and a it was a Paramount affiliate. Now it's now it's independent. But it's just weird that it just kept getting so it just kept getting sold around between American theme park companies. Like <laughs> nobody really wanted it, but and they just but but someone kept on buying it for decades. Yeah. I, I did go not too long ago. This would have been last summer, and you can definitely tell that nobody wanted it. <laughs> it's not in the best shape these days. I mean, the pandemic's probably not been great for it. I don't know. Like, there were so many people there. I almost left when I got there. It was just 45 minutes in line just to get in the front door. Wow. Yeah, that's it. I did. I do like their. I do like their Halloweens. I would actually recommend recommend if if you get a chance to try and do one do one of their Halloween things. Okay. But overall, the park's just eh. <laughs> I, the other, the only other thing that parks really got going for it is that all of their roller coasters are kaiju themed. <laughs> wow, neat. There's not really any particular thing about the ride that seems kaiju. They're just all they're just they all just have a mascot that's a giant monster and a, a name like Leviathan <laughs> or Colossus. But you know, I've always felt a little underutilized. Mm-hmm. Like, you could do something with that, but no. Yeah, why would we do something with it? We have it. <laughs> Apologies for the derail. Nah, it's fine. Uh, There's there's not actually that much to talk about with this episode. (laughs) We get Rem... So after they drive in, we cut to Rembrandt getting fed dog food by a guard, which... Also, there are like two... There are other guys in the cell, and they're not even getting fed, so... I don't know what's going on here, but it's bad. (laughs) (laughs) And immediately after giving Rembrandt dog food, the guard turns around and in basically the shot from when Rembrandt was arrested, there's just so many people with guns behind him all of a sudden. (laughs) They are very good at sneaking in unison. (laughs) It's crazy. Like no, if if you were that ste- if you were that stealthy, you could have just got in and done whatever the hell you wanted. <laughs> like solid snake could never. 
there's like five seconds between when this guy turns, when this guy walks up, walks through the hallway, and when he turns around, and everyone's just there. Crazy. Yeah, how did how did they all teleported in behind him? They were all just following him the entire time, doing the Bugs Bunny sneak, and they. When he was giving the food, is when they took the time to pose themselves. <laughs> they were hiding behind the bars of the of the jail cells. <laughs> it doesn't really make any sense when you really think about it. Nope. But it's a good. Sh- it's a. It's an amusing shot. They put the guard. They put the guard in the cell, and the guy at the front sets off the alarms because. Now is actually when he finds out that the general's in bed. It took him long enough. Yeah. I mean, they had a they had to wait for him to wake up and answer the phone. <laughs> well, I mean, like, presumably if you call him and he doesn't answer after the first three rings, he's probably not there. You don't yeah. just leave it ringing in case he happens to be there asleep. <laughs> I mean, this guy was pretty sure it was a fake. And we get a very silly gun battle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's very. It's you have people dual wielding. You have people dual wielding pistols. You have tactical roles and guys throwing other guys over their shoulders and taking cover at chest high walls. This is it's a Gears of War game. <laughs> it's very very silly looking, and frankly, the only reason why I can take it remotely seriously is. I watched the, f- I watched the first episode of season two of Stargate last, last week, and that has Daniel Jackson dual wielding an assault rifle and a pistol in it. So, <laughs> God, I'm so far behind on that show. Um, yeah. So, honestly, there's not much to talk about. There's just a lot of fighting. Quinn grabs Quinn grabs Wade. And runs through the thing. He at one point has a like has a has a spot where he's like almost shoots the guy, but instead decides to pistol whip him <laughs> in the face. Which that's not that much less lethal, my guy. Yeah, you could have shot. You could have shoved his nose up into his brain. <laughs> yeah, but at least it's... he can pretend. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone gets to the to the armored trucks and starts driving starts driving out. But oh no. Oh no. Wade is slumped has slumped down on on Quinn as they're le- as they're leaving and he starts freaking out and tells the trucks to stop, which don't 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 do that. You are like You're like a hundred feet. I can feet. still see the f- <laughs> I can we can still see the barbed wire fence. <laughs> You're not very far at all, but it's fine. No, nobody gets them. Well, of course, they're not standing right there. They're not standing directly in their she, field of vision. She, <laughs> they're, uh, he, he freaks out because that way it is definitely dead, but... Yeah, he's outside of their we need uh, a cone. second detection cone. We need... We need a second fake out about whether or not a main cast member is dead in 42 minutes. <laughs> I hope this doesn't become a running because, theme. Oh, yeah, no. 
No, usually you only get it once an ep. Usually you get it at most once an episode. <laughs> but oh, good. That was that was just the resistance leader Quinn. You know the person who all these people were lo- looked up to and. But who doesn't matter kind of to de- us? We're depending on, yeah. but you know, well, I mean, she's only in charge of the entire West Coast Rebellion. West Co- <laughs> <laughs> but no, their weight is perfectly alive, and Quinn makes sure that he doesn't see her own dead body. Which understandable. <clears throat> I feel like this is he mostly tells her so that, they don't, don't have to worry, film the I will same get actors in the same place. <laughs> And he's like, oh, don't worry, I will get you home. And we're never going to we're never going to cu- get that far and cover this episode. So I'm going to sp- do a little spoilers and tell y'all what happens, what a, what quit, what Wade's eventual fate is Ooh, in the show. Okay. She does not go home. <laughs> she at um, season three, um, Quinn and another woman who replaces Arturo, uh, Get separated from Quinn Quinn and Rembrandt at the end of at a season finale. Uh, in the next the premiere of the next season, they rescue Rembrandt, but Quinn has already been taken by these evil aliens that have taken over their home that have taken over their home universe. Oh, uh, okay. And they're called the Cromags, from what I'm seeing on IMDb. Yes, which is a very stupid name. They're called the they're called the Cromags because they are descend they are hyper evolved Cromagnon who were given. given sliding technology by another Quinn double. It's, I'm not getting into how ridiculous they are. That's not the important part. The important part is she was taken and this work, she's presumed dead for the next three seasons. Then, in the last season, af- after like pretty much the rest of the cast, except for Rembrandt, is gone, we find out what happened to her. Some Cro-Mags has started using have taken human nervous systems and grafting them onto their ships to be a piloting AI. Huh. And that's one of them is her. And they end up talking to it and talking to her and getting her to like destroy a a Cro-Magnon Cro-Mag warship. But her exist. She taps. He's oh no, he does not take her home. He leads her into a fate absolutely worse than death. Wow. (laughs) What a dick. You mentioned that Arturo got replaced. Does that mean he uh, he dies as well? Uh, he he uh, he finds out uh, he finds out in season two that he has can that he has cancer, <laughs> and um, ends up sacrifice sacrificing himself to help everyone else get away from a guy who's going to kill them. Also, huh. our, they probably couldn't afford Jonathan Reese Davies anymore. I mean, this was still well before Lord of the Rings, sure. but yeah, he had started doing more movies at this point. He wanted to get out of the show. Understandable, because it sounds like it was getting stupider and stupider. <laughs> but also... Here's the funny thing is, Jerry, Mag- Jerry Maguire wrote and directed a bunch of episodes later, which are actually very smart sci-fi. <laughs> the main, the lead actor is actually better at writing sci-fi than the, main, than the regular writers of the show. Wow. <laughs> You know, I, know, I get that John Reese davies wanted off the show, but given the speech that happens later in this episode, near the very end, like, that feels like a weird way to do it. <laughs> uh. 
I don't know. I just feel like you don't talk about finding worlds that don't have cancer because they found cures hundreds of years ago and then kill off a character with cancer. <laughs> yeah, that seems a little mean. But I, I know, as we I mean, digress. That's, that's... <laughs> so what happens next? After th- uh, yeah, we get we go to a. We go back to the base, and Rembrandt is singing "Amazing Grace" as for the for the fallen so, for the fallen soldiers, which <clears throat> to get a little bit up the net to get a little bit meta on the network. Eidolon has absolutely ruined this song for me. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I know you you don't you don't like actual plays, yeah. but I hear this song. I just hear Michael Val. I my mind immediately goes to Michael Valentine's theme, and I'm like, oh, oh, oh that's I'm just sad. Uh, I'm oh, sorry, dear. but there's no fun allowed in my network. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't say I share that experience, but now that you've said it, I definitely will. <laughs> thing is, being a bagpiper, that's like the most common song people ask us for, so... Oh my god, that, that is one of your bagpipes? That it would be one of your more comments, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I sure do. Scottish or Irish? Scots. Mm. It's, uh... There's not a ton of Thank Irish you. pipes in the States, so... The guy they got for... For Rembrandt, actually, is a pretty good. It's a pretty good singer. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And he looks like a guy who would have been in a '60s Motown group. Yeah, no, he he lo- he looks and can back and has the as the pipes to back up his his role. So <laughs> you know he's well cast. So we we get we go to the professor and Quinn fixing the control the controller, which I don't I don't like that they call it that that is a bad name for it. Ooh, yeah, I didn't realize. Oh no, <laughs> his name is Cleavon Derricks. Is Brown, or Rembrandt Brown? Well, has he been anything else since you're looking at him? Uh, let me see. Absolutely nothing of note. Other than an episode of Touched by an Angel. That's, that's not surprising. Everyone was in an episode of Touched by an Angel. (laughs) That show ran forever. Yeah. Anyways, the Resistance is despite losing their leader, is very satisfied with what happened. Somehow. (laughs) Yeah, the one who is supposedly completely unreplaceable. Yeah, it turns out we didn't need her any after all. Oh, well. (laughs) She may be dead, but the fight goes on. (laughs) Basically. Yes, they they have absolute certainty that they can beat the commun that they can beat the communists because they were defeated on on their earth on the other earth and and no one says that that's that not what happened. <laughs> that's not really what happened, and um, there was very different circumstances. 
Y'all are fucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Anyways, they they wish the guy who I guess now is the lead, the black guy who I guess now is the leader, is like, "Oh well, I hope you th- thanks them for it," and says he w- w- wishes wish hopes they could get home. But she is nice of him, I guess. Yeah, and then they so they leave the resistance tunnels, and like six feet away from the resistance tunnels. They're caught by a secret police guy saying they're breaking curfew. <laughs> His accent is bizarre. Yeah, no, he sounds like an American trying to do a Russian accent. And, uh, Quinn is like, I don't have time for this, and kicks him in the nuts. That's right. Wait, Wade, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Wade. <clears throat> I I know. They they gave they gave the female lead of a mask a very masculine name and the male lead a very feminine name. Which trips which trips you up sometimes, yes. but you know, oddly oddly progressive for the rest of the show. <laughs> so they just book it from this guy who blows a whistle, and out of a door right next to the door they came out of from the resistance tunnels, come a dozen come a, like a dozen more trench coat cops <laughs> who apparently aren't carrying guns. It's so. So such a contrived thing, and they have to. We left all of our guns. We left all of our people with guns at the checkpoint. Yeah, the reason they're doing this is because they have to be back at where they came in, and we have our secret police base is literally is apparently literally right next to the resistance, and they're chasing them on foot. You know, it might be that since the police base is right there, do you think they already know where the resistance is and they're just getting ready to raid them? <laughs> no, I don't think they thought that far ahead when the when they were riding. You think if they were doing that, they'd have brought some guns. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the riders thought that far ahead. The the writer said Avi had very much clearly stopped thinking about this world already. <laughs> <laughs> so they run from the base wherever it is to Golden Gate Park and go through the portal just before the cops catch him and come out in front of the stat the statue of Abraham Lincoln. With the homeless guy sleeping behind it. Yep. Oh uh, yes, everything is right in the world now that people no longer have homes. <laughs> yes, that's right. This man is no longer yes, even a respected though this man senator. who has the political who has the political acumen to be a senator is uh, is sli- is sleeping on the is sleeping behind a statue. This is a much better world. <laughs> yes, truly. We saw what he did in that other world. He doesn't deserve a house. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was a bit. His retort was a bit tainty, but he himself didn't seem to actually be doing anything. No, fuck that guy. <laughs> he was. He was advocating communism therefore he deserves nothing according to the logic of this but they give him the, but they give him some money so you know oh. they're not complete monsters no only partial so anyway they get to his house well they get it they get to they Get a cab, which is the exact same Russian yeah, cabbie and, from the other. And Rembrandt freaks out. He's like, ah! 
once he sees the guy, he's like, oh, God. <laughs> Even though, you know, Rembrandt, we've, we just spent a whole episode explaining the concept of doubles to you. <laughs> but, okay, moving. <clears throat> Move, moving. The guy is, like, very into Rembrandt's old brown, the spinning tops. Because apparently they're just very cool and successful. He's, and he's crying, the records man. fetch money on the black market, which everyone is too polite but this is definitely a sign they are not on their this they are not from their world. <laughs> well, like how do I say this? It's if you're selling records on the black market, there's a problem. There's there's a resale market even in the 90s. <laughs> I think it's a joke that he's Russian. The Russian <laughs> black market. Yeah, actually I think that might that might actually be the joke is that he was that in in Soviet Russia, that's the records works for got good money there. But yes, but still, yeah, because he was he wasn't po- he was popular like twenty years before that. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they take the cab back to back to Quinn's house, where we get the gate thing. Wait, why does Rembrandt still have money? Oh, <laughs> he pays the cab, but he was, they locked him up. Why would he still have money? Yeah. Don't think about like, it. There's no way they stopped in that firefight and went to go get his wallet back. <laughs> You're thinking too much about it. <laughs> Clearly they didn't anyway. to take anything off of him when they put him in that cell. <laughs> Anyways, they go to the fence and Quinn's like, oh, this very dramatically, this fence has squeaked since I was 12 years old. And this stupid fence is their benchmark for every other world they go to. For real? Whether or not that it is their world. Ugh. Yes. Oh, I hate that. And multiple times, the, the <clears throat> just like at the end of this episode, it squeaks, but it's not their world. And then there's one episode, one episode, where they go to the fence, and they open it, and it doesn't squeak, and they just immediately leave because the the <laughs> controller had a very short timer this time. Well, and then his mom comes out with the gardener, and the gardener's like, "Oh, yeah, I mean, it's been squeaking for so long. I just gave it some oil the other day, and it's perfect, and it's per- as good as new." <laughs> and it's like, "Oh, they never actually clarified. Like, maybe that was or wasn't, but it's like they might have just left home for because of the stupid fence." <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. I think I hate it in general, but with that anecdote, yes, it suddenly becomes very funny. (laughs) Hysterical, really. Everyone's very happy that the fence squeaks. They go in, his mom was like, oh, they see his mom. She's like, oh, I was so worried about you. Where'd you go? He's like, oh, it's a long story. It's like, well, you and your friends should tell me about it over dinner. And <clears throat> they sit down and when she's in the when she's in the kitchen, while she's serving dinner, they start talking about what what they're going to do with it. With the controller and it's all like, oh, well, we could. We could keep, try going to other worlds again, or we could destroy it because this is potentially too dangerous. And they get vaguely philosophical comparing it to the nuclear bomb, which, okay, that's 
That's a bit extreme. <laughs> yeah, let's roll that one back, shall we? Like, I mean, okay, they're late later. Like we we talked about the Chromags briefly, and yeah, they're give, giving sliding technology just around the universe willy nilly is not a good thing. But you know, you unto yourself are probably not going to fuck things up that much. I don't know. Except for all the times you do. Like, <laughs> I get that it's maybe a step too far to say nuclear bomb, but it would be so easy for them to pick up a virus or something on another world that we just don't have a context for. Like, if yeah, that's a that's a plot of an episode. <laughs> I, I, you can't do this without a lot of preparation and experimentation, and they just don't have that. <laughs> well, I mean, they meant if the if they didn't fuck up on the second time they used it they used it because the first time it worked perfectly and then the second time they had to use it in a different spot because there was an ice tornado what a wild thing to say especially (laughs) since patch hadn't seen the first episode yeah i saw like the very like the last minute or so of it and i just no idea yeah yeah there was they went to a world where Seattle was just completely frozen over, but was clearly modern Seattle up till that San point. Francisco. So, um, San Francisco, sorry. So, like, I guess the day after tomorrow happened. Kind of sounds like it. <laughs> they had to outrun the ice. But yeah, so now they're just kind of stuck traveling world to world forever. But that at this point, they don't know that. They think they're home. <laughs> Well, I mean, there is another thing that happens at the end of the episode here that tells yep. them they're not home. Yeah. And it's the thing that confused yes. me absolutely the most, because just some dude I mean, I've never seen before walks in. <laughs> earlier in the episode, Quinn did mention that his mom had lost his dad. But yeah, <laughs> without without with just that vague passing context, this is probably... Yeah, absolutely nothing. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know why everyone's so surprised. <laughs> I don't know why most of them are surprised they have never met him. (laughs) Like, only only Quinn and maybe Wade have ever seen this guy. Let's go scrub back through and make sure it wasn't one of the Soviets. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, they have a toast to to the revolution they just left behind, which Quinn's Quinn's mom is saying nothing while they're obviously talking about weird shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's not... She's just standing there. Well, it's weirder than that, and... though, because it's not to the revolution they left behind. It's wherever you are, whatever your fight, to your revolution. They're, they're toasting all revolutions everywhere. <laughs> uh, that's that's probably not a great thing to do. You know, most of them are... Most of them are not particularly aligned to each other. <laughs> Well, just don't think too hard about it. Yeah, that's. But anyways, yeah. Then Quinn's dad. Then Quinn's dad walks in, and everyone gets very sad and awkward. He says, "It's like you've seen a ghost." And Quinn drops his wine, and that's a weirdly artsy shot to end such a schlocky episode <laughs> on. <laughs> that's some rosebud shit. And like, 
I'm pretty sure the next episode actually just starts with them going to another episode. We don't even follow through on this. <laughs> starts with them uh, on another world. Of course. Wow. So, what what are your what are your thoughts on the pilot to sliders? Now that you've seen the whole thing, Jack, and you know, you've you've seen half of it, Patch. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I sat through all of Doctor Who, so this isn't terrible. I would probably watch more if you hadn't told me what happens later. <laughs> A question: Best Doctor? Uh big debate. I'm a big fan of Seven, mostly. Uh, which was that Sylvester McCoy? Yep, sure is. Yep, I pulled that out of my ass. <laughs> yeah, last old, last old Who TV doctor. Yeah. And frankly, the most interesting one, IMO. My favorite is uh, Eccleston's Doctor the Ninth. No, that's fair. I would say Eccleston's probably the best of the new Who doctors. Definitely. Mm, oh, yeah. Shame he left. But anyway, I mean he he only he only wanted the one season. He was so thoroughly done with the show. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of conflicting feelings about that stuff because, like, um, I feel like Capaldi could have been the best ever if he weren't saddled with the writing team he was. <laughs> I mean, we definitely had three doctors in a row, three doctors in a row who were very good doctors, but had very bad writing. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh. I still remember. Yeah, yeah. Here's here's hoping the new Russell T. Davis era is better. <laughs> it was it Moffat for a long time? Yep. Yeah, it was Moffat for a he while, sucks. and then uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. Kim Kimmel. Kimmel. So we do have one. We do have one question on the questions post. Oh boy! Alrighty. From regular host of the show, the real Sim Ben Simone. If you were on. If you went to the communist timeline and met your communist self, how would you know if you were you or them? Hmm. Well, if it was this communist timeline, i i would be I would be probably have been executed as a, as a counter revolutionary revenish revenish yeah Revenkit revolutionist or revenkist <laughs> because. Because I'd be all like, "Oh, hey, um, what's what's with all what's with all this uh ridiculous what's with all this authoritarianism shit?" Right? <laughs> yeah, I would have been, I would have been, I, I would have gone the way of Machno. Yeah, I mean, realistically, just looking at the way this particular version of communist reality works, I think, assuming I hadn't been executed for whatever, probably just wouldn't be trans, right? Because I don't think you can get away with that in this reality. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, this is definitely not a queer friend to come in the state. Not a fun answer, but it's the easiest way to tell, I think. Yeah. Well, that got depressing. Yeah, and I don't know, yeah. uh, red hair or something. <laughs> communist. <laughs> Alright, with that, um... Hey, I brought the episode down. I'm a bummer. <laughs> yeah, nice. It was it, it was it was inevitable with the way this show portrayed communism. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. All right, Pat, is there anywhere people can find you on the internet? 
Yes, indeed. You can find me on Twitter, as long as Twitter survives, at patch underscore jacket. And I'm also a host on Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, a weekly show about queerness in cartoons. And Jack, you got anything you want to plug? Uh, there's two things I want to plug. One, Anime Sickos Podcast. Two, Just King Things. A podcast where two, the hosts read all of Stephen King in publication order and talk about it. Just, just King Things actually is a really good show. I've been really enjoying it lately. Oh, that's I'm, excellent. I'm just about, They're bo- just about to get to the stand episode and I'm very looking forward to it. Just a warning, <laughs> though, that these two guys are like have doctorates in English. So they get pre- they can get kind of in the weeds if you're not familiar with like advanced philosophical texts and that kind of thing. <laughs> you can also listen to their Homestuck podcast, which you know that 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 level of that level of theory plus Homestuck is a trip. Yeah, <laughs> the the one host seems vacillates between loving it and hating, and if that's not the Homestuck experience, I don't know what is. As you can find me on Twitter at M of <clears throat> at M of Healy, as you know, as long as twi- Twitter is still there, or until co-host has a de- has a decent phone app. <laughs> and ne- next next week we should be resuming Jaff- Jaffa takes again and diving into season two, where we're going to s- jump right into this season's big arc with. Uh, what is the? Uh, I should have had that episode name pulled up. I don't, and I'm not going to look it up because that's is I've that already babbled the, on too long. To. Is that the <laughs> Apophis arc? Um, no, this is the uh, Jacob, and Car- Jacob and Carter. Uh it's been so long. I don't even remember any of that. Yeah, I I don't want to say I don't want to give Stargate spoilers on this on the bonus episode. <laughs> <laughs> Who even listens to this, though, for real? If you're listening to this, hello. Anyway. <clears throat> hey, yeah, we're gonna. Well, what's our patented outro? Does it keep <laughs> on sliding? <laughs> sure, let's just go with that. Keep on sliding, everyone, and cutting recording.